Welcome to Roadside, where we talk about the fascinating and sometimes disturbing history behind roadside attractions and unique destinations. Hello. Hello, and welcome to I'm Roadside. I'm My name is Abigail. Here we, Here are. we are. This is Here us. we are. Indeed it is. <laughs> What's uh, up with you, Mama? It has been just a crazy, crazy day. I'm exhausted. Actually, I'm just, I've had an exhausting few days. I think puppy is wearing me out. (laughs) Yeah. He's doing great. He's getting big. (laughs) But he's a ball of energy. Oh, yeah. Definitely. lick mats, walks, toys, whatever to keep him in. Anything. Yep. Yeah. Pretty much. I bet the boys play with him no, a lot, Christian's though. playing with him right now because I'm recording. <laughs> um, Nathan took him for a walk earlier today, although it's flipping hot outside. I know. It's really hot out. Yeah. Today was the first day of school. Yes, it was. I saw the yeah, pictures. So back to school. The boys looked just <laughs> thrilled. I think they were both actually kind of excited to go back this year because, I mean, Nathan's Good. a senior. It's his senior year. Yeah. yeah. That's exciting. And Christian's the, you know, he's the top of the school now being a fifth grader. Oh my gosh. That means he's going to middle school I next know. year. Yes. That's not cool. <laughs> I don't like that. He's the I baby. Know. Yeah, I know, but. You know, but he has to grow yep, up sometime. So what's up with you? I know. Oh my gosh. I have worked almost 40 hours this week, and it was exhausting mm. this past week. I picked up a bunch of extra shifts, and I mean, I made a, a pretty good amount of money, that's so that's good. okay, but it was just exhausting. My feet hurt. My back oh my hurts. Gosh. I know. I came home from work, I guess, Saturday night, and I closed Saturday night, so I was there from 3 o'clock to 10.30, basically on my feet the entire time and I came home and I collapsed on the couch and I put my feet in Ryan's lap and I said oh. rub my feet it was wow. exhausting but I had off yesterday and today so I'm a little bit more good relaxed and I am hosting a girls night tonight oh, at my house so that'll be exciting nice. yes my uh Girlfriends just went back to class, oh, yeah. so today was their first day too. So we're gonna, I'm gonna have a little. I'm gonna have coloring books and snacks and anything nice. they may need because I'm not going back to school. I'm not doing <laughs> shit. I thought you were gonna go back. I have decided I cannot go back until I actually find out what I want to do with my life. Mm. Okay. You know, because if I go back and I still have no clue, I feel like I'm just going to waste my time and my money, you know, because I left college doing health science. Right. I never wanted to do anything with health science. I don't know why I chose (laughs) that. It was whatever, but I just want to make sure that I actually know what I'm doing this time around. Yeah. Because I feel like if I don't, I'm just going to mess it I up mean, again. I mean, you could just get a 
a generic bachelor's degree. I mean, sometimes it doesn't even matter if it's in your field. Yeah, I know. So I don't know. I will eventually. Well, you know, of course that's your, your decision just as a, an adult who went to school after children, it gets harder. So I don't want to, I would like to do it before I, I hope have children because <laughs> I don't yeah, want to do that. Not fun. Yeah. Seeing, seeing how you did it. I don't know. I don't know how you did it because that had to have been really freaking yeah, hard. It was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's also going to be quite a while before any children okay. enter my life. So, Well, I have just a little shout out that I want to give before we get into our show here. Ooh, yes, shout out. To my friend Kim, who recently went on a road trip with her husband. And um, her husband's name is Tony. And she posted pictures mm -hmm. of him sleeping in the car. To which someone asked if he was snoring. <laughs> and Kim's response was, yes, he was. But I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts by Janica. Shout out to Roadside Podcast. Aww. Aww. So hi, Kim. Thanks. Thanks. I feel so Thanks special. for listening to us. And uh, hope you were able to drown out all that snoring. <laughs> yeah, I know. Men. <laughs> Uh, and they're snoring. Know, I don't know that I've ever dated anybody that didn't snore. Like, do all men snore? Ryan snores. Yeah. Did your did your yeah. uh, previous demon boyfriend snore? No. Huh. He did That's not. That's what was wrong with him, probably. But the one that I dated, the one that I dated in between them, okay. did snore. So I don't know. I don't know. But Ryan doesn't snore well, very loud. Good. It's, I mean, usually I don't even, it doesn't even wake me up anymore. Well, that's good. Unless he, unless he's grinding uh, his teeth in his sleep, which he does do sometimes, do that. and that will wake yeah. me up. Yeah. That's why I have earplugs. Yeah, me too, but not for that reason. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So Alrighty, let's get Today, into it. Today, we have another guest for you Today. guys. Yay, I love having yeah, guests. Yeah, so we recorded uh, with him a couple days ago. His yes. name's Floyd Wills. He wrote a book. Hey, Floyd. Floyd. And the book is called The Red-Haired Giants of Lovelock Cave and Other Ancient Mysteries. And when yes. I uh, was in contact with him about what we were going to talk about, I said, oh, Lovelock Cave sounds great. Let's talk about that. And so we did talk about Lovelock Cave a lot. We but did. we went kind we of did. on the which was fascinating. We went on like so many different tangents, though. Oh yeah, I love when we go on tangents. Was, though I feel like I learned so much when we and go it on was tangents. Such a fun episode. Like I mean, it was the first was. time that Abigail and I recorded in the morning. Normally, we record in the evening, but we've decided to switch to morning recordings, just schedules. And I was yes. tired. Because I had gone out the night before, but I was like so enthralled in the whole conversation. Me too. So. And guys, I am not a morning she is person. Not. Okay, she's doing not. this for you. And we recorded. <laughs> I, I'm doing it for you guys, but I'm also doing it for myself so I can actually make myself no. wake up earlier. But it was 
it was actually, it was really nice because I got to sit here and have my cup of coffee and listen to a little story. You know, it was, it was a really good time. I liked it a lot. I think I, he was just fascinating. Like all the things that he talked about, I, I went, I went out with some of my friends later on and I went on a tangent (laughs) myself about all the stuff he talked about. And I could tell by the end they were done listening, but I was still talking. (laughs) Yes, it was a great, great recording. I liked recording in the morning. I liked sitting here having my coffee with my little blanket on. It was great. Yeah, it was It was very eye-opening about some things for mm-hmm. me. Some things that I have never really yeah. thought about that make sense yeah. now. So we'll let, um, yeah. we'll let all of you wonderful Roadside listeners listen now. And maybe you could chime in on our socials, send us an email, tell us your thoughts. Yeah. I would love to hear everybody's thoughts about this yeah. stuff because we talk about some some pretty interesting stuff. And I want to know what everybody yep. thinks. So we're going to jump into our guests now. Alrighty. Enjoy. Here we go. Three, two, go. one, go. <laughs> Today we are welcoming Floyd Wills. Did I pronounce that correctly? It's just Wills. Yep, Wills is correct. Okay. A lot of people say Willis, and I, I'm used to people calling me Willis. Wills is a little bit uh, more of a rare um, yes, name. That's... You got it right. Okay, good. So, yeah. Kudos, you got it right. Thank you. Uh, so Floyd has a degree in human development, and he has certifications in hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic psychology. And he has been fascinated with ancient mysteries since he was a young kid. And he is here today to talk to us about Lovelock Cave. Ooh, <laughs> I'm intrigued. Well, thank you very much. First off, I want to say thank you, Janika and Abigail and, and all your listeners for having me on. And I think we're going to have a very uh, interesting and uh, fun conversation about red-haired giants and perhaps uh, on a <laughs> traverse down other rabbit holes, we can do that because my book covers a lot of other areas besides giants. So whatever direction you want to go, whatever rabbit hole you want to go down, um, I'm down for Awesome. I'm sure we will do that. We always do. And just just to let you know, it's Janica. Janica. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Okay. No problem. It happens my whole entire life. (laughs) Right. Kind of like with my last name of Willis and Will, right? Yep. Yep. (laughs) There you go. All right, right. so I want to hear about this cave. Okay, so Lovelock Cave is in Nevada. And there is a Paiute, a northern Paiute tradition. The indigenous people in that area have this longstanding um, oral history of a race of red-haired giants that lived in the the vicinity of that cave. Mm. And these giants were Mm. very violent. They attacked uh, the Paiutes and other tribes in the area, and they were cannibalistic. Would, oh um, yes so they were they were not a nice tribe and finally the, the Paiutes yeah. got tired of being attacked and they allied themselves with other local tribes and they waged war against these red-haired giants that lasted about three years oh. and finally yes wow. so the uh, finally the last of the red-haired giants were cornered in Lovelock Cave, and the Paiutes threw brush in front of the cave, lit flaming arrows, and basically gave these giants an ultimatum. They said, why don't you stop what you're doing mm-hmm. and live like men? And they didn't get any response from the cave. And, and who knows, these peoples may not have even understood that language. Yeah. And so they shot the flaming arrows, right. burnt the brush up, and allegedly 
uh, all the remaining giants were uh, were burnt to death. Now, oh. in 1911, there were two guano miners uh, who went into Lovelock Cave, and guano is bat, bat dung, and it was used for fertilizer. And so they were mining this cave, oh. and they uncovered some skeletal remains there, and oh. then they located. They notified the local university who came in and and did the first excavation there. Now, uh, there's an interesting backstory to this discovery because one of the gentlemen who discovered these artifacts and skeletons, his name was John Reed. And that wasn't his first um, visit to Lovelock Cave. He had actually been there when he was 15 years old, and he heard about the story of the red-haired giants. Uh, Back when he was 15, he was with a group of his friends and they were out looking for horses that had escaped his parents' ranch. And this, of course, went on for several days trying to retrieve these horses. And a, rain, a rainstorm hit them, and they camped outside a Lovelock cave. Well, John Reed didn't know the backstory of the cave, and he wanted to go inside and, and camp in there. And his mm. friend Natchez, um, who was the son of Chief Winnemucca, who was a prominent chief in that area, basically told him he said no we're not going in there because there are evil spirits that haunt this cave yeah <laughs> and then told him the backstory about these red-haired giants and how they uh, had attacked uh, his tribes and how eventually they were burnt to death in fact he took a uh, john to the entrance of the cave and showed him there were still um, arrowheads stuck in the crevices around the entrance oh wow the, wow you know where arrows had been shot there but that didn't that didn't mm-hmm. stop the curiosity of a 15-year-old boy. So he was bound to do nothing real. real. So now more than ever, he wanted to go in the cave, right? Absolutely. And, of course. And so yeah. Natchez convinced him at least to wait until the next morning to go in there, which he did. He, he lit up a torch and he went in there, of course, by himself. No one else would go in there. And he's he's exploring this cave, but all, all he found at that time were big piles of bat dung. Okay. Mm. So it's ironic that well, <laughs> so it's ironic that you know at 15 he had heard the story and he went in the cave and then later as an adult he ended up back in there and then discovered these skeletons yeah died. right wow what a what a weird coincidence yeah very interesting yeah and, and then the local university was called in and they did an excavation at, at Lovelock Cave and from my research it seems like the excavation wasn't really uh, very organized there were piles of mm-hmm. artifacts and remains just these these heaps and piles and it just seemed very disorganized uh, in the records it said roughly 46 skeletons came oh. out of the cave wow thousands Thousands and thousands of artifacts. There were um, duck decoys that were made out of what are are called tule, which is a water plant. And they were beautifully, uh, beautifully sculpted. I have have a picture in the book of of the duck decoys. And in fact, even one of the anthropologists that I was dialoguing with about the red hair giants, I saw an article where he wrote, he said that these duck duck decoys are absolutely beautiful. And he said they are so beautiful, it seems like they a lot more work was put into them than even would be necessary for if you were going to use it for a duck decoy. Mm, wow. So th- these things were 
um, right. were made in a fashion uh, that was really quite impressive. And also there was a, a pestle found in that area, a giant grinding uh, grinding stone, pounding stone that weighed between 35 and 45 pounds, which is way, way larger mm. than a normal pestle would be. Yeah. Yeah. Even right. the anthropologist said this is an unusually large and heavy for this type of uh, a tool. So whoever wow. used that had to be incredibly uh, powerful individual. Also, what came out of the cave was a, a Thule sandal that was uh, woven out of this water plant. And uh, the anthropologist I was communicating with actually sent me a picture of this on a giant, um, he used a he used a giant alleged Sasquatch uh, footprint and wow. he, put, he put the sandal on the, on this alleged casting of this Bigfoot and it, and it, it went across the width of the, of the foot. And he sent me the measurements and I calculated the measurements and it translated to a shoe size of 29. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that's a big foot. So I immediately started looking at like all the records of all these professional basketball players and shoe sizes. Yes. Like, I yeah. could not find anything in comparison. But, like what was the largest shoe size you actually yeah. found? Cause I'm trying to so, imagine it in my head. Yeah. It was like maybe a 20, maybe it was a 24. Oh my think, God. Like a this is a 20, this wow. is a 29. Wow. So it was, but That's literally crazy. a big, a big, foot. Yeah, absolutely. A big, <laughs> big foot. Yeah. Uh, there was another interesting item that came out of there. It was a giant stone and it had uh, 365 notches on it. It was like a conical stone and it almost looked like it was some type of calendar. Oh, like cool. the, yeah, it was hmm. some type of calendar. Um, just a lot of different interesting artifacts came out of there. Now the skeletons disappeared. The artifacts were distributed to a number of different museums. Now, this is where the story gets really interesting, because when I was going through the archaeological records of the first excavation, it said the largest of the mummies that was found in Lovelock Cave was given to a fraternal lodge to be boiled and used for initiation purposes. Oh, God, why? <laughs> <laughs> question I start to kind of get into that in the book okay I was like uh, I was like okay so the skeletons disappear so the public can't see them but yet the largest of these mm -hmm. mummies which in the in the in the archaeological records was like maybe close to seven feet maybe six six seven six eight something like that yeah that is donated to a fraternal lodge and I'm like this is is getting weirder and weirder yeah just like some random well there's no, Please? there's more to it than that. So I started okay. doing a little investigation okay. into it and I contacted the historical society in that area. And I, and I asked them, I said, okay, in the early 1900s, what fraternal lodges were in this area? And they, they gave me two. They said there was a, a, an organization called the Knights Pythias, which is a fraternal organization. And then there's Freemasonic Lodge that was, there, and it is still there okay. to this day. They still have a, Free, a Freemason Lodge there. Mm. So I started doing some research on both those organizations to see if there was any records of uh, human remains being used in any of their rituals. Because in a lot of these uh, fraternal societies, and when you advance to uh, different degrees or, or levels, you have to go through some type of initiation right, right yeah. to do that.
So I did find a little bit of information on the Knights Pythias and there was a ritual where they did, uh, there was a skeleton, uh, there was a skeleton involved in, in the ritual. However, when I looked into the Freemasons, I found a lot more information on human remains being used in some of their rituals. In fact, a, a fairly recent accounts uh, in Australia where the, where the um, Freemasons got in trouble because there were workmen uh, renovating some of these Masonic lodges and they saw actual human skulls mm. in the lodge. And so they filed a police report. You know, they're like, these are real skulls. I mean, I would. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, it's, yeah. Uh, have this investigated. And so yeah. investiga- right. investigation was done and come to find out that those skulls were indeed real human skulls and they were, um, they were Aboriginal skulls. They were ancient Aboriginal wow. skulls. So these Freemasons in wow. Australia, they were using the ancient Aboriginal bones in their rituals. And when uh, the police were um, interrogating them about that, they're basically what they said is, oh yeah, we use these, these human remains to teach our initiates, um, our members, the importance of time and how fleeting time is and how to use their time wisely. And I'm, and I'm going, huh? <laughs> so you're using, I feel like there's a lot of ways, a lot of ways that, you could right? do that without using real human right. skulls. Yeah. 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 Right. Like that was someone who was living. Yeah. I don't, I don't want my you skull know? being used that way in hundreds of years. Absolutely not. <laughs> well, no. and, and this, this is really interesting because I also, when I was doing my research on these fraternal lodges, uh, back in the early days, like in the in the 1800s, not early 1900s, they would actually encourage their members to donate their bodies after they died to the lodge. Oh so wow! They can use I guess some of the some of the bones in in these rituals. So it, it that gets- that seems a little culty to me. Pass. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> Very culty. Indeed, indeed. So the other skull, all the, all the other mummies disappeared. However, there was a museum in the area called Humboldt Museum, just a, a little mm-hmm. museum. And allegedly there were some a few skulls that came out of Lovelock Cave that somehow ended up in this museum. And they oh. would keep them in the basement. They, would ne- they wouldn't put them on public display. So if you wanted to see the skulls, oh. you had to ask the curator. And they would take you down there and they'd open up these cupboards to look at these skulls. So wow. I thought, well, this is strange. Well, they had these skulls for all these decades, and why did why were they never put on on public right. display? Why were they kept in the cupboard? Yeah. yeah, and so I I contacted the museum and inquired about the skulls to see if they were still there, and they told me no, they're not here anymore. We we repatriated those back to the to the native tribes uh, back oh, in the okay. 1990s. There was a law passed called NAGPRA. Uh, I think it was the Native Americans. Graves and uh, Repatriation Act. And basically the law said uh, to to these museums, you know, if you have Native American remains on display, you needed to remove those and and repatriate those and give them back to the tribes that would, you know, claim them as their ancestors. Yeah, good. And and so that's what... That's, oh, that's absolutely. Fair, yeah. It's fair. And so that's what that's what the museum was was telling me. And and they also said I was, this was by email communication. And they also said, um, well, we never put them on display because of the political climate and we wouldn't we wouldn't want our funding to get taken away. And I and, and I thought, OK, well, that kind of makes sense. I mean, you know, in in the past, you know, 10 years, you know, uh, I can understand that. But these skulls had been there. Yeah. For decades and decades, long before all the political stuff. 
yeah. and they were still in the basement. Yeah. Why weren't they? Why weren't they ever put on display? So I felt like they were kind of giving me the runaround. And another thing is, I was mm-hmm. thinking, you know, if the native peoples did think these skulls came out of Lovelock Cave and they were these red-haired giants. Why on earth would these tribes even want the skulls back of a tribe that cannibalized their ancestors? Right. Yeah. That and is so it was. It's a good point. And and the fact that that one kid said there's evil spirits yes, in that cave. They knew about it. There's got to be evil spirits attached to the. Absolutely. Skulls. I mean, and you may get here. But I'm just thinking, well, maybe they wanted them back so that they could perform a ritual in order to get rid of evil spirits. You know, I, I never thought of it that angle, but that's very true. Uh, maybe maybe they even, maybe they did a ritual. Maybe they destroyed the skulls. Yeah, maybe, maybe they, they yeah. yeah, maybe they destroyed the possibility. Yeah, yeah. That's a distinct, that. um, a distinct possibility. Um, well, what's interesting mm-hmm. is, so these skulls disappeared. However, I did obtain uh, some photographs of the skulls that were once there. Uh, a gentleman by the name of um, oh. M.K. Davis provided me with a, a photograph that a gentleman named Don Monroe took of these skulls probably 40 or 50 years ago. And in my book, there's a picture of this. It's a massive, massive skull, giant skull. And what's interesting is in the upper row of teeth, it has extra teeth. Uh, the medical term is called supernumerary teeth. Hmm. It's not quite an extra full set of teeth, but you'll see extra, extra teeth. Wow. I found this very interesting because in a lot of the uh, old reports that I was going through, newspaper articles on giant skeleton discoveries, they reference uh, times where these skeletons are found and they have a double, they call them a double set of teeth. Wow. Clearly in the upper row of teeth. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. I wonder if that's some kind of genetic trait of these giants. And then yeah. going back to the Bible, um, it, there is a reference in, in the Bible of when David and his mighty men were fighting this tribe of giants, uh, they reference one giant in particular that had a double row of teeth and had really? six, six digits mm-hmm. on each hand. Wow. Wow. That is so strange how far yeah, that goes back. Yeah, absolutely. It, yes. It, it Got some weird coincidences. <laughs> weird coincidences. There. And in fact, uh, some of the newspaper articles I did find, not only were there mentioning of double teeth, but in some cases, not not a lot, but there were some where there there were extra digits on the hand as well. Wow. Mm. Six That's finger. They call polydactyly. I think is the medical term for for that. And oh, and some wow. people still have that to this day. It's it's very rare. It is very rare, but I did, uh, when I was doing my research, I did find a tribe in South America, They're the Wairani tribe. It's this particular tribe that uh, there's high incidences of the the double rows of teeth and the six digits on the hands. Wow. Now, they're not giants, they're not giants, but um, they do have those traits. And that tribe is particularly violent. Um, there is a lot of tribal warfare that huh. goes on even to this day, and many of the men in that society are are killed um, because of tribal warfare. And I thought, wow, this is Aww. interesting. They got the double row of teeth, the extra digits, and they're very you know. There's a lot of violence in that society. So like a lot of the yeah. traits of the giants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, and not only. 
seems like a connection. yeah there could there could very well be and on that photo that i was referencing with the giant skull with the extra teeth there's also a little patch of hair that was still attached to the skull and it was of a reddish color huh wow uh, that's that's so crazy that uh, like some hair remains still well yes some of these uh skeletons and mummies uh the hair is still there uh, i talk about the elongated skull people of peru i don't know how familiar you are with those giant skulls with that look really long they look like mm. their own heads out of south america really yes i have I think I've seen some. Yeah, some of them look almost alien. They don't even look like um, Homo sapiens because their their heads are so elongated. Now, many uh, uh, societies have practiced what what is called cranial deformation, where uh, when the when the child is you know is is a baby, they would take maybe like a board and they would put it behind their head, and then they would maybe tie a rope around it, and then so the head would would grow uh, into a long elongated fashion. And a lot of societies did practice that. The Native Americans did in ancient Samaria. There was practice of that. If you look on some of the um, hieroglyphics and the Egyptian hieroglyphics, you can see like some of like Akhenaten and uh, some of the Egyptian royalty, they had what looked like long, long heads. And huh. of course in South right. America, Peru, uh, a lot, lots of that stuff, um, you know, would go on. And, and I, I raise the question, you know, well, why, you know, why would someone do that? Why would someone want to elongate right. their head in all these different cultures, you know, thousands and thousands of miles apart that supposedly had little to no contact with each other? Why would all these different societies mm. practice that? Is it yeah. is it just coincidence or is it maybe they encountered some type of beings, maybe an advanced civilization whose heads were elongated? And what's huh. the what's the um, you know highest form of flattery? It's imitation. Yeah. And so maybe these people saw mm. that and then they're like, oh, you know, we want to make our heads look like those, those, those gods, you know, those people that, you know. Yeah. Wow. Right. Um, so, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I've, I never realized that there was so many people throughout the world that did that yeah. same thing. Absolutely. You know? And here's where it gets even stranger because there are, are skulls over in Peru, particularly the area of Paracas, where when you examine the these elongated skulls, uh, medical doctors have gone over there and looked at some of these skulls and they and they looked at them and they said, this isn't artificially elongated because there's what's called a sagittal suture. There's a suture line on the back of our skull. They call it uh, the sagittal suture. It's shaped, they call it the bow and arrow because it's kind of curved like a bow. And then look, there's a straight line that goes through the middle of it that looks like a notched arrow. Okay. Well, that sagittal suture is, is missing in those skulls. And huh. so even if the skull was artificially elongated, that, that, that suture, those suture lines should still be there. Yeah, yeah. These skulls are missing the sagittal suture, which Hmm. points to the fact that these were not artificially elongated, that they were that way naturally. Wow. Wow. I know. So much. I'm just like mind blown right (laughs) now. This is kind of, this is fascinating. And what gets even more interesting is on some of these skulls, they still had the hair on their head. And could you, could you take a wild guess as to the color of that? Red. You got it. 
You know, actually, there's um, some skulls uh, that came out of Mexico, allegedly giant skulls that uh, did have blonde hair huh. out of Mexico or Mexico. Wow. There's some Mexico, articles that yeah. I have in the book on that, on those discoveries. And they wow. have blonde hair. That's, I, I can't imagine discovering that. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't know. Yeah. I, I can't think of words now. I couldn't imagine discovering it and being like, uh, what, what is this? I just found this. Okay. So do you want to go a little even deeper down the rabbit <laughs> hole? So we have, we have giant skulls that have no sagittal suture and yeah. have red hair on them in a, in a country where the native peoples don't have red hair. Yeah. So how far down do you want to go? You want to keep, continue down the rabbit hole? Cause I've got something <laughs> even crazy. What do you I have? Know. What do you well, have? So the Nazca mummies and I, and I write about them in my book. Have you heard of the Nazca mummies? No, I don't. Okay. These so. were, uh, these were discovered in 2017. Oh. There were a group of Hequeros. Hequeros means tomb robbers. There's oh. lots of tomb robbers in South America because there's so much uh, artifacts and skeletons um, they, that they do this, you know, it's a generational thing. It's how they make their money. They they go in and they find these artifacts and these remains, and then they put them on the black market and that's how they make their money. It just, unfortunately, huh. a, a lot of that happens there. Right. But yeah. that's, that's just how it is over there. So this group of tomb robbers actually presented an archaeologist with these these mummies that they found and the, and the reason why these tomb robbers gave them to the archeologist and didn't stick them on the black market was because these mummies were so different from anything that they had ever pillaged that they, they felt they were so important for humanity to know about that. They, they turned that over to an archeologist in hopes that the public would be made aware of these things. So instead of sticking them on the black market, which they could have done and made a lot of money, they're like, this is so important for humanity. We want that's people to know about this. Good. <laughs> yes. Well, that's that good is. It is. In yeah. fact, um, they, they probably uh, were a lot more ethical in that, in that sense than, than many uh, of the archaeologists in the past, particularly the Smithsonian Institution that came in and took these uh, giant skeletons and they disappeared and no one ever got to see them again. Huh. But going back to the Nazca mummies, you can look these up, um, and there's a there's a number of these mummies. Some of them look um, reptilian. They look like a cross between a Homo sapien and almost re- have reptilian features, wow. elongated heads. Some of them have no nose, no ears, no outward sexual organs. Uh, some of the mummies have three fingers on each hand and uh, three toes on each feet. Oh they my look- God. They look very alien. Uh, some of them look, some of wow. them look more more Homo sapien, like it's a mixture. But some of them look um, like they're not from this planet. Wow. And what's crazy about this is that these have been studied since 2017. They've had doctors doing tests on them, bone scans, uh, DNA analysis, and they have not found any. Um, evidence of any kind of fraud as if some of these ancient peoples took, you know, animal bones and human bones and tried right. to create some of these things. Right. right? And what would be the purpose for that anyway? Yeah. But they, they've determined that there's no evidence that that's happened. And when they did the DNA test on these mummies, uh, some elements of DNA didn't match any known species on this planet. Oh my God. So it's almost like an, it's, 
Don't tell me that. It's That's like scary. They they're extinct. It's like another yes. another uh, animal right. is another race. completely gone. Another race. So so there's a, there's a few possibilities, and and I and I don't I don't say it's this or that. I just present the the evidence that I compiled and let the reader make their own. Yeah. Decision. So, one one track is that these were extraterrestrial beings that came here, and they interbred with with humans, and so that's why some of these mummies look like a hybrid. Right. In fact, one of the mummies, when they did the X ray on it, it looked like it had almost it had eggs in the stomach. You can still see the eggs. In, oh my in the, gosh! This being, and yes. And so that's a possibility, you know, where did these things come from somewhere else, another planet and another dimension and have interaction. It could be possible or could they have always been here? And, uh, you know, like you had mentioned, it it was just an undiscovered uh, species that existed. And and this is the first time that we, that we found them. So they could, they could very well be from the earth. That is just, wow. Wow. (laughs) That is, I'm like, I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. Like, I'm going to have to look look those up. up, And there's an institute over in Peru called the Inakari Institute. And I got permission from them when I told them I was writing a book and I would like to have a chapter on the, on those mummies. And I got permission from them to include a lot of photographs of those mummies. uh, One of which includes a hand with three long fingers and it has an x-ray and you could see there's a metal implant inside the hand with some type of metal huh. a, a metal implant and these things are these oh things are gosh. thousands of years old mind you it's not like right you know a uh, hundred years or a yeah hundred years, over a thousand years right. old and they gave me permission to include some of their dna test results on the mummies and photographs so i just leave it up to the to the readers and and uh, those that are interested to look into that story because i think as far as archaeology goes i think this is one of the biggest discoveries i think of all time yeah and i'm very surprised that it hasn't got more um attention or traction yeah i mean this is the first time i've ever heard of it so yeah yeah right and that institute that has the mummies have been attacked viciously by a lot of archaeologists uh, that were basically saying oh you know it's a desecration of the indigenous peoples there and these are just mixtures of animal bones and human bones, and these are all fraudulent. But yet, hmm. doctors um, doctors have tested these things and done bone scans and DNA testing, and they have not determined that that these things were were hoaxed or faked. In fact, when wow. I first started looking into the story, there was a doctor. She was a bone specialist. Uh, her name her name is M M K. Let's see. I can't, I can't think of her name right now. Uh, MK Jesse, I think MK Jesse. And she's a bone specialist. And I saw a video of her and she's going through the x-rays of one of these mummies and she's going, yeah, this, I mean, you can't, you can't fake this. You know, you just, wow. You couldn't right. fake it. We would be, I would be able to, to see this. And then I'm, I'm look, I'm thinking, I'm like, is she a real doctor? Like, I'm going to look her name up. <laughs> And I looked up her name and found the hospital where she worked, and she's like a top-notch specialist. So here is a doctor, you know, going through the X-rays of one of these mummies, saying, you know, this can't be, this really can't be fake. I mean, I would have done the same thing. I would have been like, wait a minute, who is this person? I'm going to look this up. (laughs) 
especially yeah. you know with all it, all the hoaxes and the frauds. Oh I mean, yeah. Nowadays we live in a in a in an age where you know it's it's pretty easy to to, to you know to put out a hoax and you've mm -hmm. got Photoshop, you've got right. you know with a click of a mouse. We you got can, AI you can, now. Yeah, AI now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. scary. So you can put this out, you know, to the world in a, in a few clicks of a mouse mm -hmm. where a lot of these old accounts that I was going through go back from the late 1800s, probably through the 1960s. And this was back before like internet, even yeah. back before phones. And I'm looking at these articles throughout North America and a lot of these uh, anomalies that they were talking about in one article, I, I would find them in other articles. So there were consistencies like the double rows of teeth, yeah. um, massive jaw bones, protruding brow ridges, um, you know, in some cases, six digits on each, on each hand. So there were these little strange consistencies and that, that led credence to me like, Hey, a lot of these seem to be very, very uh, credible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I have a question, and this is going a little bit a little bit off topic. Yeah, sure. But what are your what are your thoughts on the government recently coming out to say they have non-human remains? Yeah, that's a very <laughs> great question. My my opinion is I I do believe. Uh, well, first off, I'd like to state I do believe in extraterrestrial life. I do believe there are other advanced civilizations out there. Um, I do believe that they have interacted uh, on our planet uh, going back, you know, thousands and thousands of years. Um, so I believe that our government does have uh, some extraterrestrial technology, probably bodies as well. However, this mm -hmm. recent um, revealing of this after all these decades of denial, it really raised red right. flags to me. Um, because uh, because of this, um, there was a, a scientist. He was a German scientist, uh, Werner von Braun. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was one of the Nazis. Sounds he was one of the Nazis' top scientists. And in oh. fact, after World War II, our government brought a lot of these Nazi scientists to the United States to work for NASA. Werner oh. von Braun was one of these yep. scientists. And he died back, I think it was in the early 1980s. But before he died, his assistant would uh, record a lot of, um, you know, what he, he was saying and, and his uh, presentations. And he personally told her a number of times, he said, as he was dying, he had cancer, he said, be, be aware, be said, beware. He said, it, the New World Order, and he referenced, he used the name New World Order, is going to use a de great deception and they're going to claim that we're going to be invaded by aliens. And they're going to use that to manipulate the populations of, of the planet. Huh. Interesting. It Interesting. is um, a little bit of a red flag to me to like deny, deny, deny. And then all yeah. of a sudden. You look at the timing with everything yeah. that's gone on, in the, especially in the past three years. Mm -hmm. And you look at the timing now. Why all of a sudden right. you know, are they talking about this? You know, right. there's, you know, tyrants throughout the ages have used um, what's called the Hegelian dialectic or better known as problem, reaction, solution. So these tyrants create a problem. They create a problem, but they disguise it and they'll blame, they'll blame something else and they'll get a reaction from the problem that they created. And the reaction is usually fear-based. 
Yeah. And when people are afraid, they're scared, they don't think with the prefrontal cortex. They don't use logic. They're acting on their instincts. Yeah. And so, so you have the person that created the problem, they get the fear, and then they come along, the same people that created the problem, they come along with the solution, right? And the solution is whatever manipulation they want to use to control the people. So they basically orchestrate this whole chain of events. It's called problem, reaction, solution. Yeah. And I really believe with the revelation of the, this alien technology and these alien bodies, I think it's, it's being used as a way to create fear in people in order to set us up potentially to be um, manipulated. What I That's found what I interesting was the, the lack of surprise, I guess with, because so many people were just like, yeah, we already knew that. Like, yes, we, we knew you've been hiding it for so long. It's, we, we understand it's here. So, mm -hmm. But yeah, going back to your question, Abigail, yes, I think mm. I think this is being used as a as a way to manipulate the people because um, right. you know we've Whether known the about this wants for, to the public's or not. known about yeah. this for a long time, and why all why all of a sudden yeah why are yeah. they pushing it now why are they pushing it now it's right. it's to keep people in a constant state of 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 fear and you know when they are talking about this you know I had a friend that called me up and she said. She said, Floyd, I was just watching Fox News and it was just like you were talking about. Wow. It seemed like they were talking about almost like an alien invasion, you know, is coming up the way really? they were talking. Oh yeah. Yeah. I see. I, uh, I didn't watch any of the news stuff. I didn't know that that was going on. I literally just mm -hmm. saw clips of it on like TikTok, which is not very reliable, obviously. So That's I bad. need to go and like watch the actual interview. But I'm... I'm kind of shocked that there's not more like, like response. Yeah, from I mean, that's, the public that's about it. How I've I felt hardly like everybody, heard anybody talk about everybody it. that I've talked to that I've seen talk about it is just like, yeah, we already knew that. Yeah, like that's a, thanks uh, for yeah. telling us. Like, it it was just very lackluster response. But to your point, Floyd, there. Why is the government saying it now? Right, like, you got to look at the timing. There, you got to look at the timing. Right. Mm -hmm. So we've had this virus that's been going on for three years, and that's a lot of people have different opinions on that. Right. Don't, you don't want to get me going on my soapbox on that. <laughs> but you have that. You've got um, you've got the the threat now. The threat of um, climate change. Yeah. Right. And all the stuff that goes with that. Yeah. We've got the alien invasion stuff. We've got the the the, the close to World War Three in Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine. We got stuff going on with China. Mm -hmm. So it seems like there's plan A, B, C, right. D, E. And then an right? election next year. An election next year, right? We, so we a lot of people are watching now. And a lot of people are watching and going, as we get closer to the election, mm -hmm. is there going to be some big event that's going to throw everything off? Mm. Got a point. And it, yeah. yeah. And is it going to be all mail-in ballot stuff? Is it, are they going to shut everything down maybe through another pandemic or some other major event um, and that's going to disrupt our, our, our next entire election. culture so again? Again. Yeah. yeah. We're like living in a, an a, a Apocalypse. 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 Yeah. You know what? You. Apocalypse. Yeah. Apocalypse is uh, like an unveiling. 
an yeah. unveiling, a revelation. And, you know, going back to the Bible, um, if you look at, if you've ever read through Revelation, um, it's almost like, uh, it's like, like the pages are right out of the Bible that are happening right. now. Wow. Whether you're whether you're a believer or not, just right. objectively looking at what's talked about in Revelation, right? It, all the it's plagues about and a, such, all the plagues and the and the wars and the rumors of wars and uh, celestial events, mm-hmm. unusual celestial events happening in the skies. Right? We have a lot more reports of UFOs and unusual things happening in the skies. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just saw a so video. Just I just there. saw another video the other day, and I don't know if it was edited or not, but I was like, "That looks really real." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the, that is hard. Even it like, is hard when to you're tell. Watching videos because it was this photoshopped. Was exactly. it AI generated? It, it's it's, it's getting harder and harder. It to, it's harder and harder to tell. Um, and what's interesting is uh, is that. Um, you know, could it also be that, you know, these UFOs, could they be our technology or could they be recovered extraterrestrial technology that we figured out how to replicate mm. or how to use yeah. Is our government using that to kind of put it out there so people can see it and think, oh, you know, the aliens are here. Yeah. You know, because in some of these UFO cases, it's like they appear and they're like move around and do all this crazy stuff as if to say like, hey, you know, look at it's like look I'm at here. Us. Yeah. I'm here because they're so advanced, you know, just to be able to get here. I mean, and if they wanted to remain hidden, I mean, they could easily do that. So I think in some cases they want us to see them, whether they are extraterrestrials or whether it's our government posing as, you know, these extraterrestrials. There's so much deception. There really is so much deception right now that it's hard to make heads or tails of really what, what is going on. Yeah. 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 Wow. That is just another thing for me to worry about. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating, uh, but it is scary. It is. It is scary. Um, it's you the know, unknown. And, yeah. so. it's the unknown and it's very overwhelming. Um, you know, I, I study psychology and counseling and there's a uh, a theory called the locus of control mm-hmm. and the locus of control. Think of like a series of circles. Like you have a, a small circle, then another circle and another circle and expands out yeah. well, in this, in the center of the circle is what we can control. The thing that we have most control over. And what is that? That's up here. That's in our mind. That's in our, in our own behaviors, right? Our own right. beliefs, our own attitudes. We have, that's, that's as much control as we have. So when we kind of go further out from that circle to the, to the next ring, then we get into, you know, like our family, our friends and our relationships that we have. And then we go out further from that, we get into our local community. And then we go further out to that, we get into the government. Yeah. And then we get further out into that and you have world government. So the, the farther we get outside of our little core circle, the less and less that we have control right. over. And yeah. that's just, that's just the way it is. So if we really want to have a sense of, you know, in all this turmoil and all this chaos is really go back to that center and like, what is it? What ask yourself, what is it that we can control? Right. I can control my attitude. I can control my beliefs. Mm -hmm. I could, I could have influence on those close to me and maybe even in my community and kind of put our focus on doing good, doing positive in those little circles that we can control because all that other stuff, we, we can't, it's just beyond yep, our, right. beyond our reach. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, this has uh, been like 
Very insightful. Very, yes. I'm going to be thinking about this for weeks. I already know. <laughs> and we've just we've scratched the surface. I, I mean, we have, yeah. we have just... There's 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 this much to cover in the book, and we've we've talked about maybe maybe this yep. much, but I hope I've piqued your interest on the, on the giant. Absolutely, there's a lot of other topics in the book, um, like the Nazca mummies that I mentioned, and I also get into uh, the little people. I talk about the legends of the the little people, and as I started collecting articles on the giants in North America, uh, most of your Native American tribes not only talk about giants in their oral tradition but they talk about little people hmm. so i started finding these articles these old articles on pygmy skeleton discoveries in oh, north wow. america particularly in like north and south carolina wow. and tennessee area and in those areas it's very rich tradition in the native tribes mm -hmm. to talk about a of little people that uh, lived in that area and there were skeletons that were found here in north america then of course we have the early 2000s discoveries in indonesia of the flores hobbit have you heard of the flores hobbit no no that's another thing <laughs> oh, to gosh. look up they were a race of, race of little people that were not much taller than three feet wow and wow. they were intelligent they knew how to uh they made uh projectile points and tools and they knew how to make fire and they they existed around the time of, of our of our ancient ancestors. So it's very likely wow. that there were interactions between our ancestors and these little right. people. And that's where a lot of these legends of the little people come from. Huh. That there was an actual kernel of truth behind those stories. Wow. Wow. Okay, so tell tell us and everybody else where what your book is called, where to find it, because yes. I'm gonna have to go get it myself and yeah, make sure I, I a was lot thinking of other the same thing. <laughs> Great. Okay. It's called The Red-Haired Giants of Lovelock Cave and Other Ancient Mysteries. Okay. And you can get the book. Um, I'm a self-published author. And so I would, if you want to get the book, I would, uh, I would uh, suggest you get it from bookbaby.com. Okay. There's a bookshop on there. You can just type in the, type in the book name, The Red-Haired Giants of Lovelock Cave and Other Ancient Mysteries. Or you can type in my name, Floyd Wills, W-I-L-L-S, and it'll pull up. And uh, I would appreciate it if you get it from that site because they are very supportive of self-published authors. Good. Okay. Um, also, though, if you, if you don't want to go to Book Baby, I I am on Amazon as well. You can you can get the book from Amazon or Barnes and Noble. I also have a website that has a lot more information on my research, more background on me, and there's a chapter breakdown of my book and really gets into the contents of okay. the book. And that's at theancientgiants.com. Okay. Great, thank you. And we will we will yeah. link all of that in the show notes as yeah, well. Of course. So everybody can find it. Yeah. And do you have um like any socials or email or anything like that too that you want to share? Um you could email me at um ancientgiants at hotmail dot com. Okay. And on my again, there's my website is theancientgiants.com. Okay. And on the website, there's a contact form. There are links to other podcasts that I've done Perfect. that talk about different areas of my book that we um, that we weren't able to to cover. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot yeah. more information at my at my website. I do have a YouTube. I just started it up. I'm not really good at that kind of stuff. I'm like a ball lost in tall weeds when it comes to. Hey, I'm, I'm weeding myself stuff. through it too. Trying you, to get yeah, yeah. So you can find me. You can find me on YouTube. You can just type in my name, Floyd Wills, or, or you know, Red Hair Giants of Lovelock Cave. Okay. And I, I do have a channel, um, and it does have some some podcasts that I've done, and there's a, a book trailer, a video book trailer of, of my book on there as well. Okay. Perfect. Alrighty. 
Well, everybody go go buy Floyd's book. Uh, listen to all the podcasts because I'm so fascinated. Yes, right me too. <laughs> Every time we have a guest, I, I'm just like, I okay, well, so they're going to tell us this. And I'm just like, oh, I, I just feel like I'm in awe. <laughs> I love having guests. Yeah. So thank you so yes, much. Thank you. Was, oh, it's it's been great. a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I mean, I really love doing podcasts. I meet very interesting people from all over the world. Yes. yes. And it's just it's just a really neat com- community. So thank you very much. And it's 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 Janica, correct? Correct. Yes. I got it. Janica <laughs> and it. Abigail. Thank you so much, and thanks to your audience for for tuning in. It's it's been yeah. a lot of fun, and, yeah. and maybe one of these times we could do it again. If if there's I would a, love that. if you get the book. If you get the book and you're going through it and you see a particular topic in there that you want to focus on, uh, get a hold of me and we awesome. can do a whole show on that. I would love Perfect. that. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank well, you thank so you for much. coming on. We really appreciate yes. you day. teaching us about everything. And yeah. Yeah. Well, there's this much to know, and I and I know maybe this much. So, <laughs> and some yeah, people ask. Yeah. Some people ask me. You know, after I took it, did four years of research on that book on the book. And they said, and, and I, I told them, I said, you know, after four years of research, I thought I was going to answer a lot of the questions that I had, but I actually have more questions <laughs> yep. now than I had before. Yep. That, that's like when we research an episode, I mean, I could make some episodes so long because right. there's so much more. And I'm like, okay, I have to stop myself because this could go on forever. Yep. Cause you just, yes. the more you uncover, it's just, the more is going to come out in so many different directions. Yes. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, y'all have a great day. Thank it's you. been a lot of fun. You and- too. So wasn't that fabulous? Yes. I, and I had actually ended up editing that part already all bleh, already because mm-hmm. i had the t- i had the time so i li- i got to listen to it all again and i was nice. just like oh. <laughs> yeah know? i think this is an episode that i might have to listen to again it's very difficult for me to listen to my voice sometimes yeah it's just it's just weird in my brain you know i'm so used I to mean, it it doesn't bother me at all. yeah so there's there's not a lot of episodes that i really listen back to again because it just weirds me out but I feel like I'm gonna have to listen to this one again yeah 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 it was interesting to go back and listen to again because there was things that I felt like that I missed the first time around you know yeah because when you're talking to somebody and you're hearing it for the first time like sometimes your brain goes off in like another direction while that person's still talking and then you're like wait a minute what was he saying and so you come back thinking of like questions you want to ask and stuff right I do that all the time Yep. So I hope you guys all liked that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and make time. sure you go buy Floyd's book and uh, we'll link all of his information in the show notes, of course. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited for our next episode Ooh. because Abigail's going to be in town. I will. To see me. I will. And we can actually do a recording together. Yes. I love in the, in the together. janky studio that's not quite ready yet, but it'll, you guys can't tell because it's just a black wall behind me. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're listening, you really can't tell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So let's well, uh, give you our socials and our information now. Yes. Because I'm sure us, you want those. Let us do that. Yes. You guys can go follow us on TikTok at Roadside Podcast. Instagram at Roadside Pod. Facebook at Roadside Podcast. YouTube at Roadside Pod. 
And our website is road road pie. That's what I was about to say. Road pie. <laughs> Didn't you say that once before? Road pie. I think I did. <laughs> road pie. We should get that on a shirt with like a picture of pie. <laughs> I think you said the exact same thing when we did it before. I would wear the heck out of that shirt. Okay. Okay. I wear it every day. Road pie. <laughs> road pie. I want stickers for my water bottle. I did put out um, a new sticker that says, just don't kill people if you guys want it. I finally did that. It's really cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways, our website is roadsidepodcast.com, not roadpie. Uh, You can also email us at roadsidepod at gmail.com. Yeah. And now all of our merch is on my Etsy page, which you can get to from our website. You can also go to patreon.com slash roadside and become a patron and get our bonus episodes. Shout out to the patrons. Yes. And also, I would love to give a big shout out to Floyd, who was fantabulous to talk to. Yes. And I would love to talk to him again sometime. Agreed. Thanks, Floyd, for joining us. Floyd. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it was a good time. I like having guests. It's fun. I love having guests. Yeah. I feel like... Like, there's only so much that I can learn on my own, but when we have guests who have, like, done enough research to put into, like, a book, they really know their shit. Yeah, 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 they do. Exactly, because we take basically a week to study for something that we're Mm -hmm. talking about. These people have taken months or years years and devoted so much time to it, so just listening to him just talk about all these different things just like yeah you know i know guests always amaze me yeah all right thank you all for listening we love you love you all and keep finding the thrill in the mysterious bye goodbye